Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, it's Adam and Jill again, and we have been sitting for like the past hour gabbing with our great, wonderful friend, Marie Benedict, who not only is she back on the podcast, you're back in the office with us. I am, and I love it. I think you're the first author to be here multiple times. We've had authors. I would agree with that. Does that mean I'm the most favorite of all? Yes, exactly. Okay, great. As we were walking around our office, you literally asked us, like, other than me, who's your favorite author (laughs) who's been on the podcast? We're not going to record that part. I don't want to ruin this thing. <laughs> no, we have a few people that have been here. Nancy Pearl, Susan Erlene have been here once Wonderful. a few other times, but you've been here multiple times. You have. Well, I will take that as a massive compliment. Yeah. Thank you. And you got to see our new office. Which and... is incredible. As I mentioned, you guys are like exploding yes. in size and power and reach, yeah. and everyone should know about you. We should mention it's the overdrive office, not the like professional book nerds office. <laughs> Can you imagine if we had just like our own office? That would be amazing. I feel like you guys should, but that's just that's just. Well, we like opinion. to joke that we we have our recording studio that we're not in right now because it's like two separate rooms that are convenient for two people each. But there's three of us, so we're in a fancy meeting room where you can look which is and beautiful. See all of the coldness of Cleveland right now. I know, but I love it because I love the cold. Yeah. yeah. All right, so the reason you're not just here to hang out, you are here to hang out. I would love to just hang out. Right. That'd be better. But, but you wrote a new book. I did write a new and book. And it's wonderful, but I'm going to let you tell people about oh, geez. all about it. Okay, so it's called The Only Woman in the Room, mm-hmm. and it's uh, the, the elevator version, the short version of it is, it's the story of a young Jewish woman uh, in 1930s Vienna who marries Austria's richest man. Um, and he becomes a, an arms dealer to Mussolini and then Hitler. Uh, she flees from the situation, uh, she, fearing for her own life, her own safety, and she makes her way to Hollywood, where she becomes a film star. But uh, she doesn't. She can't really shake the survivor's guilt that she feels because everything that she overheard, in terms of the Third Reich's plans, is starting to come to pass. And she uses some of the secret information she learned at. Um, in her encounters with the Third Reich to create a secret communication system to help the Allies make their torpedoes more effective. Um, She offers it to the Navy and they reject it in part because she is a beautiful and famous woman. And it's the story of my fictionalized version of a period of time in the life of the film star Hedy Lamarr, um, who during her lifetime in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, she was probably one of the biggest stars in Hollywood Um, and people know her for that but they don't know the story of her really her origin story and also how she came to create this invention what I didn't mention is that this um, invention that she created is actually the foundation for Wi-Fi so every day when we look at our cell phones as we do way too many times a day (laughs) we are staring at an invention that was made in part by Hedy Lamarr by the way, the ironic part, we're talking about how 
I just recently moved into my house and I don't have internet yet. So yeah. the irony being that I was reading, I was reading the physical copy of the book, which is right in front of me right now, in my house that I didn't have Wi-Fi in. I was like, well, this feels <laughs> kind of strange. Yeah. Well, Weird. so you weren't actually experiencing Heidi's invention at that moment. No. But you were reading about it, which is, which is I think she would have been excited about. Okay, well, that makes me happy. Well, and we're using it now because we're recording this on, on Wi-Fi. We couldn't Wi-Fi. actually be doing this without... Hedy Lamar. That's right. And if they get their books on Overdrive, they're probably Which going to be using Which they need Hedy Lamar's invention for. Yes. It's amazing. So if it weren't for Hedy Lamar, Overdrive wouldn't exist. <laughs> that's the way that... So basically, you need to have this book cover emblazoned on the front of your business. There you go. Right? Yeah. yeah. We'll suggest that. Okay, we'll great. I love that. What, the I'm back sure of that'll fly. under advisement. <laughs> the back of our business cards will just be the other woman, the woman in the room. Hedy Lamar. Right It'd be perfect. So uh, there's so much in the, in your elevator pitch that you kind of left out. Like her story. First off, people who may not be familiar, maybe relatively new listeners to the podcast, you've been on a couple of times before, which you talked yeah. about. You wrote the other Einstein, which was a big library read title as well, which was an incredible experience. Oh my gosh! And then Carnegie's Made was also. Not a big library read program, but you also do that. So you write these stories about women who do not get their just due. Exactly. And you write them as historical fiction. I do, yeah. So how much of this story, because there's a lot in here. There's a lot in there. That I, I think my favorite thing about your books is I'm always wondering what parts you put in. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, that's, I, the biggest compliment, or one of the biggest compliments I can get is when a reader tells me that after they pour, you know, or engrossed in the book mm-hmm. afterwards they literally went down the rabbit hole of researching um the character mm-hmm. and the time period um and that's what i want i want people to really think about um the past and the present and really think about the fact that these women were there mm-hmm. so back back to your question um so as you as you mentioned i wrote the other einstein and carnegie's mm-hmm. made and they are thematically connected books along with the only woman in the room and the others that will come mm-hmm. In the future. Um, And I really, I kind of in a way see myself as an archaeologist who kind of sifts through all this research and the detritus of the past to try and find these really important stories of historical women. Um, And and then kind of bring bring those stories back to life, rewrite these women back into the narrative where they've been invisibly for all this time, uh, and bring their stories out into the light so that we can see how these women have made these incredible contributions that we use every day today. and we can see, acknowledge them, and see them um, for who and what they really were. And hopefully kind of give us a fresh prism to look at, at not just the past, but the present as well. Um, and in, to do that, as you mentioned, I spend an incredible amount of time in the rabbit hole of mm-hmm. research, which is really where I like to live. Um, and I do, I mean, I try to find out as much as I can, both about the character that I'm writing about, the person, and the time period in which they live. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing like as much micro research as I can about the, the character and their lives. But because with historical women, it's you often hit a wall mm-hmm. because it's only recently that historical women's stories, records, documentation, artifacts were considered worthy of keeping. Mm-hmm. So when you're dipping into the past and trying to find out um, all these details about these particular characters and women, 
you often can't find everything that you would like to find. So I also will, will kind of look in the world around that the, the person inhabits. So I'll look at the macro issues, political, cultural developments, mm-hmm. and micro stuff too. Like, what did you eat in Vienna in the 1930s? <laughs> or what would you Sausage. wear? Mm-hmm. Right. What would you wear to go out to, um, to dinner somewhere? So, you know, it's, it's, I'm really trying to immerse myself in the world so I can bring that character to life. And when I have the facts, when I have historical um, foundation, I will use it. You know, I kind of think of it as the base and the pillars and the roof of the house and in those gaps between the pillars where I know a certain amount about what happened, but we don't have the full picture. That's where I kind of use a mix of fiction or imagination and logic for my years mm-hmm. as a lawyer. So, um, but again, I do write a fictionalized version mm-hmm. of a person's, a particular period of time in a person's life. Okay. Yeah, how I'm sort of curious how you decide or mm-hmm. find the women that you write about. Oh, geez. Um, well, the, I have a huge list of women. You know, I over, Fair. yeah. <laughs> there are so many women who need to be excavated from the past. Um, I, you know, I feel like since I since I was you guys have heard this story before about how I was as a child. I really I read this one book, The Miss of Avalon, which really opened my eyes to the the idea that there were all these women's voices and narratives out there that we didn't know. And I feel like as I've kind of decided that this is my path, as instead of being a lawyer, which I'm really enjoying, um, I feel like I've developed kind of like an antenna for the stories. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look at you know I could be reading a newspaper article about some event that may have a historical basis that's happening in some part of the world and I'll wonder about the women and in the fact of their absence sometimes will invite me to research Mm -hmm. um, that period of time Um, you know you might hear um, you might I might be reading a a historical book you know a biography or some sort of research text and I'll find mention in one sentence of a woman, mm-hmm. and I'll become it'll pique my curiosity, and then when I go down that rabbit hole, I find out more about mm-hmm. um, their contributions and, mm-hmm. and their lives. In this particular case, um, I was having lunch with a group of a writer friends, one of whom happens to be an anthropologist, and she's always delivering these incredible nuggets of information to us. And she mentioned in a very offhand kind of way, oh, there was this woman who was a golden age of Hollywood star who also happened to be an incredible inventor. Mm-hmm. And I kind of added her to my long list of women. And over time, as I was writing these other books, I would research little bits and pieces of mm-hmm. her life. And then when I learned that this invention that she had made, that she had hoped to um, make more effective the Allies torpedo systems, mm-hmm. which she called her secret communication system, when I learned that in the decades after her life, that invention had been taken and used as sort of the basis for what ultimately became Wi-Fi, that's when I knew I had to tell her story. And that's that's what happens a lot. So I'll, I'll have these women kind of on my radar, I'll collect information about them, and then there'll be something in their lives that will have such modern significance, whether it's a particular invention or an issue that they grapple with, um, that, that has this modern day resonance, and that will kind of grab me and wanna make me wanna tell their particular story. I have to imagine having this kind of compendium of people that you want to slash will write about Mm -hmm. at some point I have to imagine that helps keep things kind of fresh in your mind like because I know that a lot of times we'll we'll talk to authors who will write 
you know, whether it's historical fiction or nonfiction about a specific person, it's like you can get bogged down in about, okay, well, here's my 600th autobiography or biography about Lincoln yeah. or whatever it is. I have to imagine like being able to kind of have that palate cleanser of like, okay, well, today I'm going to research Hedy Lamar before you had started writing this. Right. Probably keeps things fresh in your mind. It does. I couldn't stay with one person for mm-hmm. my whole life. I mean, one of the reasons, you know, I, I was a lover of history my whole life from when I was a, a girl and I was a history major and I thought I'd become a history professor. And I ultimately took that long detour as a lawyer. (laughs) But what I love about approaching history the way I do it, as opposed to being a professor, which is one of the things that I considered way back when, is that I get to dip in and out of different time periods. Mm -hmm. You know, I get to dip in and out of different women's lives. And, And I think if I stayed only in one time period or only with one particular character, it would lose its freshness. And I would start to kind of lose the clarity I can see mm-hmm. about their lives. You know, when you're sometimes when you're the knee deep in those deep those historical details and in the the murkiness of their lives, it's hard mm-hmm. to see the bigger picture. Um, now I will say uh, this book and the next two that will come out after this one, they do all kind of deal with that time period, um, whether it's from uh, early 1900s through World War II. Um, and but it's interesting. I'm I've approached that time period from three different women's perspectives, yeah. three different uh, backgrounds, nationalities, mm-hmm. and I'm learning so much about a time period that I thought I understood. Right. But now I realize I really only knew it from an American perspective, number one, and I only ever knew about it from my perspective. And when you shift that lens from country to country, woman to woman, background to background, all those historical facts, you see them very differently, very freshly, like you said. So I, I we talked about that you have to do a ton of research for this. And, and if people do research on Heidi Lamar, like mm-hmm. if you look like a a lay person such as myself. I'm could, a lay person too. I, could, I, I, I you, there, there are articles and things that are out there about like, yeah. the fact that, like you said, she, what she did was the groundwork for Wi-Fi. And, like yeah. people don't learn about that enough, but that is something you could find. So like, what is something that you, when you're doing your kind of research, what was like a nugget that really mm. like was most interesting to you? Whether it was like, like there's a part in the story where she sells this jewelry that her mm-hmm. horrible husband yeah. had gotten for her a long time ago. Like, that to me, I was just like, oh, that that's a callback that there's a purpose to that jewelry. Like, yeah. it, was there something, whether it was that or something else in, that you discovered as you were researching, you're like, oh my God, that's so interesting. And just kind of had Surprising. no idea. Surprising. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there were two things, and they're not small things. They're actually large things that were really surprising and really drew me to her story. One is, like you said, let's back up a second. If you Google Hedy Lamar, you'll find all sorts of things about Hedy Lamar, the actress, mm-hmm. Hedy Lamar, this exotic, beautiful film star, um, her many marriages, you know, all the tabloid stuff you can mm-hmm. easily find. And you can find some articles about the fact that her invention is the groundwork for Wi-Fi. And that's new, mm-hmm. right? But what you won't find, and what I found, or you'll only hear, read little snippets of, is the fact that she was actually Jewish. Mm-hmm. She grew up in, in pre-World War II Austria right. as a Jewish girl. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 
when I learned that fact, I thought, well, how would that have shaped her worldview? I'm always thinking about how, what about a particular person makes them perceive the world around them differently, right? And how that affects them in the long term. So that would certainly be one thing that was surprising. I mean, and that was something that she kept hidden. Her own children, I understand, although I haven't confirmed this with them, I read that they weren't aware of her background mm -hmm. until her death. Um, that was something, you know, when you were in Hollywood in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, you weren't going to advertise the fact that you had Jewish heritage. Right. You know, that would not have made you a film star. Mm -hmm. um, so that was one thing. And then the other, this whole marriage to Fritz Mandel. Ugh. It's unbelievable. I mean, here she was, this 19-year-old girl marrying Austria's richest man, and she is thrust into the epicenter of pre-World War II politics mm -hmm. because of her husband's position. He was an arms dealer. He regularly had meetings with all the key players in World War II. And here's this young, young girl at the heart of it all, living in castles and palaces. And while it sounds glamorous and, of course, terrifying, mm -hmm. um, it's, also, um, it's also really unimaginable. And uh, that part of it really, I felt like, hadn't been as explored as, as, um, as much. So those two factors and how they interrelate and then how they feed into this invention that she made, mm -hmm. that was, mm -hmm. was really captivating. Because I'm always like, I almost in a way look at my books as origin stories. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. kind of the, the background of how this person became the incredible wo woman that they were. Mm. And very often there's like an epiphanal moment when they make, in Maleva America, Einstein's case, it's when she came up in her mind, or my version, mm -hmm. the theory of relativity. In this case, it's how she came up with this particular invention, how this origin story kind of plays into their greatest legacy and contribution. So, you know, all those things to me knit together, but mm -hmm. those are probably the two biggest surprises, yeah. I think. Interesting. Because, I, you know, as you said, it's, that's, there hasn't people don't talk about those things just no so it's hard to right that's something you're going to naturally come up on unless you start looking right and even there there's not a ton yeah. about it right. uh, you know it's interesting the other women i've written, written about and some of the women that are coming up some are less known some are more known but you know hetty was famous mm -hmm. in her time and you would think it would be easy to find all this information about her but Again, it's only one version of right, Hetty. Right. It's it's Hetty in her famous mask that she wore, mm -hmm. Hetty the film star. All these other Hetty's that in many ways might have been her more authentic self, mm -hmm. you know, her upbringing, her inventions, those things aren't, aren't so easy to find. And they're things that she certainly did not right. advertise. Well, and especially because with, you know, unfortunately women throughout history, but women especially, like you said, at, at this time period when she was in Hollywood, like when she first gets there, there's this scene that you wrote in Basically, like she goes on the set and she's all excited to be on this movie and right. she's just standing there and they're filming just her face and they say something, oh, it's a really, really, really creepy line, like, open your mouth, like, sensually, but not, like, so you can see her teeth. It was something that stuck right. with me. But, like, they, they were told, you know, women were expected, especially women that are beautiful and on screen, they're right. expected to be seen, right. not heard, and they're not exactly. expected to have opinions. So there's no way that you would know that you said that, especially they buried the fact that they she had to learn how to speak english speak without english. an accent right so that no one knew that she was from austria she was god forbid like you said that she was jewish like uh, i mean being jewish and german in mm -hmm. hollywood mm -hmm. in the 1940s i mean not good. that's not that's not, not a popular look yeah. for her yeah i mean there's so much about her and she was um very bright very smart <laughs> very strong-willed and she wanted she she craved and tried to create these movie roles for herself 
um, that portrayed her as a stronger woman, mm-hmm. as a, more of a meaty character. But again and again, she slotted back into the exotic, mm-hmm. beautiful female in the yeah. roles. And, and you're right, there's this moment when she thinks she's on set and they have this great part for her. And her great part is literally to stand there mm-hmm. while they slowly film her in this special way that became like a signature <laughs> photographic film. Like I mean, the light, the light yeah. above her head that lit her face up and her mouth a certain way. And this was her, yeah. you know, that was her great moment. Were you able to, there's a part, I'm just joking around here now. Sure. <laughs> Do with me what you will. So I love it so much. Um, the, before she escapes, mm-hmm. there's two separate meetings that her husband hosts. One that she's present for and the other that she's not. One's with Mussolini right. yeah. and one's with Hitler. Mm-hmm. Were you able to confirm, like, did those things actually, like, did she, was she actually in the same room as? Mussolini, yeah. Man. Yeah, I mean, she definitely, um, that, we know, um, at least the research suggests that there, he, her husband had many encounters with Mussolini. Right. I mean, they were business partners, and he conducted most of his business dealings, not in conference rooms like we are today, mm-hmm. but in these lavish parties that he threw, or they threw at their castles and palaces mm-hmm. and vast apartments, and he always wanted Hetty on his arm, right? So she was often there. Um, and there was on one occasion, um, for sure, this big party that they hosted for Mussolini. And Hetty was, in fact, there. There may have been other occasions that she encountered him, but that, that one we know for sure she did. Um, there are many rumors that she actually met Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting at this time period is um, Austria is kind of sandwiched in between um, Nazi Germany to the north and um, Mussolini's Italy to the south. And during a lot of this time period, and this again, this is a slice of history I wasn't really that familiar with, but they were trying to maintain their independence. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning... Uh, Mussolini was committed to Austria's independence because in the beginning he wanted to keep a buffer away from Hitler, right? So at the beginning, a lot of their marriage, her husband is supplying a lot of arms to Mussolini for many campaigns, and they have a tight relationship. Mm-hmm. As the tide turns and it becomes clearer and clearer that Austria is not going to ma- be able to maintain its independence from Hitler, um, her husband, who has been an opponent of the Third Reich, starts to sway and starts to reconsider his position. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a businessman yeah. more than anything. And and that's when there's a lot of insinuations and uh, rumors that she encountered Hitler. Um, we don't know for sure. Um, there are some salacious rumors about her and Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, with Hetty, you have to sift through uh, rumor, yeah. Uh, all this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in fact, her own autobiography, which doesn't talk a lot about that time period, but was incredibly salacious. So um, I did put a scene in there in which um, she overhears something that Hitler would have right. said. I don't know. That's fiction. Yeah. You know, whether that happened or not. What, I, what I'm fairly sure would have happened is she certainly would have been privy to information about the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. The information that she overhears during that encounter or that kind of encounter with Hitler is information that she would have heard, she would have been privy to. Because remember, she is at all these... It's not like her husband's going off and having business meetings about what he's going to supply to mm-hmm. Mussolini and Hitler and then comes home and has a quiet dinner at home. That's not happening. Mm-hmm. He is entertaining right. all these people, and so she's hearing everything. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be sure to record our next podcast with you in a castle. Yeah. Could we'll you make... please... I mean, I love the overdrive offices, but we'll I, I would happen. prefer a palace. We'll make do you happen. mind? Thank you guys. We can do that. Best. Yeah, I think we could probably make that work. 
I, I feel like everyone was mad. We, no one listening will know this, but we spent like an hour before we started recording yeah. chatting about things, and I know it. You were kind enough to come here before driving to Indianapolis. So. Oh my gosh, it's my delight. I mean, I've been so fortunate in the reception that this book has mm-hmm. been getting. And to come here and talk to you guys about it today when I'm literally in like 16 states in 10, uh, in 10 days mm-hmm. is like, this is like awesome. It's, yeah. my, it's my fun respite for the trip. Well, we might just need to, because we discussed, we're, you and I are going to be in a few different book festivals. Maybe yes. we'll just do like little like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. I would love here it. And there. We could have the ongoing conversation about Hedy Pinar. Oh, there I you go. I love that so much. That'd be great. Right. Jill, do you have anything else that I don't, I, I don't want to take up more no, of your time? I don't think so. I think we're all good. Thank right, you I'm guys ready. so much for having me Thank today. You. You're the best. Overdrive's the best. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.